Good afternoon. It is my great pleasure uh, to welcome everyone to the Executive Girlfriends Group. It is Friday, April 2nd. Uh, Good Friday, that is. This is Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group, and our guest today is Sam Horn. And Sam is the author of Pop and someone uh, I have had on my radio show before. So, Sam, welcome, and I am just going to turn it over to you and uh, have some fun with the group. Well, thanks, Chickie, and uh, welcome to everyone, and thanks for joining us on this uh, Easter Friday. My goal is to to rock and roll and to share some interesting and innovative ideas you can use immediately to take your business to the next level and your next project. So uh, how about a one-minute intro, just a little bit of background about me, and then uh, I hope you have paper in front of you because I'm not going to waste time on ivory tower theories that have no relevance in the real world. My goal is to share some real-life ideas that you can apply that could really make a difference in your bottom line and in scaling your vision. So uh, as my favorite teacher used to say, ink it when you think it. So if you write some of these ideas down and maybe post them on your refrigerator or keep them where you can see them, then hopefully uh, you'll be able to get some ongoing value from them. Okay, so... Let's go to uh, my background. Is I am the, called the America's Intrigue Expert, and I have had the great pleasure of doing what Catherine Graham said. She said, to do what you love and feel that it matters, how could anything be more fun? Well, for the last 20-some years, I've had an opportunity to speak, write, and consult. When I speak, it's often for groups like Inc. 500 or Intel or Capital One, Uh, When I write, it's books like Pop or Tung Fu or What's Holding You Back from major publishers that have been sold around the world and endorsed by everyone from Stephen Covey to uh, Jeffrey Gittimer and Seth Godin. And when I consult, my whole goal is to help you do the following C. So once again, I hope you have paper in front of you because I'm just going to talk for maybe about 15, 20 minutes, rock and roll with some ideas. Then my goal is to do some on-the-spot feedback so that I know Jennifer wants to work on her video and um, Teresa wants to work on that AAA campaign for the Braves. And let's see, um, uh, Chris is with Carlson Hotels, and we've got uh, Cecilia and the Rising Stars program and uh, – Uh, Let's see, Marge with the travel industry, so we'll try and focus on your projects and how you can help them break out. Uh, And first now, what are those four C's? Uh, Every time I work with a client, we express these right up front because what I find is when you're building an umbrella brand or you're marketing a book or you're developing a presentation or you're creating a standout marketing campaign that will help your cause or your company get noticed by your target customers, that it all depends on whether we address these four C's. So the first C is clear. Um, I hope that each of you are very clear about a priority project that isn't where you want it to be. It's not that it's bad, that it needs to be fixed. It's that you know you're leaving money on the table or you know that there are some customers out there who aren't aware of it or there's a decision maker who isn't quite convinced to buy it. So please be real clear about a priority project. And now if we were doing my POP program, we would use the W-9 form. The W-9 form is a proprietary exercise that I put in the POP book, and it helps you ask 
pivotal questions to get clear on what it is you're offering, why it's different, who your target audience is, who your competitors are, how you're different from your competitors, what you want your customers to do, and so forth. Many people have told me that just completing the W-9 form, which asks those W questions, gives them clarity that helps them solve the problem or come up with their next steps. And why is this so important? Well, E.L. Doctorow, the great author of Ragtime, was asked what it took to write a novel. And he thought about it and he said, you know, it's kind of like driving a car at night. He said, you can only see to the end of your headlights, but you can make the whole trip that way. You know, with this project that you're focused on right now or your business, you may not be able to see to your destination. You may not know how you're going to get there, exactly what steps to take to realize your goal. However, answering those W questions, you know, once again, what is it you're offering? What's different about this? What's special about it? Who is your target audience? Who is your competitors? How are you different from your competitors? What problems are you solving? Why should people try and buy this? What action do you want them to take? Just answering those W questions, like Jennifer with your, with your demo video, you know, your, your target audience is probably uh, speaker bureau reps. You know, so, so what are you offering? Well, hopefully a showcase of your keynote on introverted leader. So how are you different? Well, you know, who are the competition out there? Who else is, is, is writing, consulting, and speaking on introverted leaders? What are you saying that's first of its kind, that no one else is saying, that flies in the face of what most people think? You know, why are you worth trying and buying? Maybe you're a rare blend of being both inspirational and very substantive. Maybe you're that rare keynoter who's actually, actually in, in interactive. Instead of just wah-wah, 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 you engage your audience and actually get them up on stage. So believe me, if you invest even 15 minutes in answering those W questions, it's going to see, give you clarity, and once you have clarity, you can get to the end of your headlights, and you can make your whole trip that way. All right, now what's the next C? The next C is compelling. My whole business is built on the premise that just because something's important doesn't make it interesting. Did you see the movie Wings by any chance with, um, or actually it was the movie Beaches with uh, Bette Midler, and she has a great line in that movie. She said, um, enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> you know, whether we're trying to think about how we can get people to, sign, to text to join AAA, or whether we're trying to think about how to let people know that Chickie's available with that consulting and solutions business, we need to get into the head of our customers. What keeps them up at night? Why can't they sleep? What are they worried about? What can't they solve? What's frustrating them? That is the source of your most compelling copy because most marketing or most outreach 
is here's what I want to say, or here's what I want you to buy, or here's our product or our services. Well, as Bette Midler said, enough about me. What do you think about me? That's too much us. People won't buy for our reasons. If we actually get in the head of our ideal audience, our target customers, and we say out loud what's bothering them, what's frustrating them, what's costing them money, what's undermining their health, what's causing them a problem, and we start our marketing copy with those questions. You know, uh, do you lie awake at night wondering da 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 da? You know how you're going to um, live on, uh, uh, you know, live on um, your savings if your 401k is gone? Do you lay awake at night wondering if you're going to have a job waiting for you next week? Do you lay awake at night? Do you see how you are voicing their zeitgeist? That's when they think that's exactly how I feel. You know, I want that because this company, this entrepreneur knows how I feel, knows what I'm dealing with. They've articulated it in the exact same words that I use or that I think. That's when we have a connection and that's when they are compelled to pay attention and to either buy our product or service or at least uh, read the rest of our website or read our marketing copy or at least schedule a phone call or appointment to find out more. So I've got a few more tips about compelling, but the, once again, the whole premise of my work is just because it's important doesn't mean it's interesting. How can we make it so compelling that busy, bored people who have a lot on their mind, they think they've seen and heard it all, actually pay attention and uh, haven't seen this before and are sufficiently intrigued to give us their valuable mind and time and dime. All right, next seat is congruent. When I'm working with consulting clients, I say that a lot of the input I give is based on my 20 years in the business. I've helped run the Maui Writers Conference, which many people feel is the best writers conference in the world for the last 17 years, and I know dozens of the top agents and editors in the country and publishing insiders, many best-selling authors. So when I'm talking about books, a lot of my feedback is objective. It really is based on expertise in the industry and straight from the source insights from people who have the power to give you a deal. Same with the speaking industry. If I'm helping you with your keynote or an important presentation, you know, I, I was the top-rated speaker at the International Platform Association twice. I was a top-rated speaker at Inc. 500. So I really am coming from a knowledge base of not just talking about it, but having been there, done that, and thankfully gotten very good results and feedback. Now, sometimes, though, that when I give information, you may think, well, that may work for someone else. It just doesn't work for me. If it doesn't pass your gut check, you know, I tell my clients, just interrupt me and we're going to move on. Because, see, the work has to be congruent. If it's a, We have several people from corporations on our call today, whether it's Carlson or AAA. You know, you wouldn't want an ad campaign that wasn't congruent with the vision for your corporation, with, with your values, and with your voice. And if you're an entrepreneur, you know, you want to make sure that everything that people see of you, whether it is your website or a blog or a presentation or a book, is congruent with what you stand for and what you won't stand for. So 
Uh, a quick little story about this, the power of congruence, because it's non-negotiable. Too many people out there are chasing the fad. Well, other people are doing this, so I'll do it. And they never ask themselves this question. And I learned this one the hard way. Uh, my very first big book from a major publisher was Tung Fu. And I had a very well-known agent, and I spent months on my on my book because I do all, I write all my books myself. And, and I turned in my manuscript, and uh, he took a couple weeks to read it, and he got back, and he said, Sam, it's brilliant except for two things. Ah! I said, what? He said, well, number one, don't speak in first person because it's amateurish, and two, don't ask questions. Because, see, people bought your book, so they want to know the answer to these questions, so they're just redundant. Well, he was the expert, right? I mean, he he was an agent with uh, years of big-name clients, and so I abdicated my authority to the expert. I gave up what I wanted to do because someone knew more than me, right? Well, so I went back, and I spent another month re-editing that manuscript, and when I was finished, I looked at it, and I hated it. It was impersonal. It was cold. It had no voice. It had stripped my voice out of it. Well, I saw a quote by Bruce Springsteen who said, if you're right for yourself, you'll always have an audience. So, see, I wanted to write in first person because I wanted to be able to say that, you know, I was giving a presentation here and someone came up afterwards and said, you know, I've been to a lot of these presentations and most of them all I'm thinking about is getting back to my office and handling those UPOs, those unidentified piled objects. But, you know, when you said that, it really knocked me back in my seat. So I wanted to give those first person stories. And I wanted to ask questions because I know as a speaker and a writer, they are the best transition between points and the best way to introduce a point. Because if we're just saying, and our next point, we're going to talk about what to say when you don't know what to say. Wah, 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 wah. See, that's tuck on transmit. That's not two-way communication. If we turn the statement into a question, would you like to know what to say when you don't know what to say? Would you like to know how to handle someone? Do you see how the second we ask a question, we engage people. Now it's two-way communication. They want to know the answer to the question, so it keeps them turning the pages or it keeps them on the edge of their seat. So even though the expert said not to do it, my gut was telling me that this is what I felt would make a good book, and I went back and took another month to put it back with first person and with questions. Well, the the good result of that is that that book, Kung Fu, has been trademarked. It's been sold around the world in China and Singapore, and, and I'll always remember I I got an email from a guy who was from Canada who said that he was reading Tung Fu in his hot tub. He was calling it Tub Fu. So back to see whatever project you're working on, whatever campaign, outreach, social media, traditional media, we've got to make sure it's C, clear, C, compelling, C, congruent, and the fourth C is commercially viable. I mean, we're not doing this as a hobby. We've all got to earn money. 
and uh, we can be altruistic, we can serve, we can make sure it's a win-win for our clients and our audiences and our readers, and we can make sure that we are profiting as well from our efforts. So those are the four C's that govern everything we do. Now how about if I quick give some ideas on how we can do that, and then I'll put a sock in it, and uh, maybe you've got some questions, and we can rock and roll your priorities, see if we can take them to the next level. If I were just going to give three quick ideas on how we could have 4C projects and how we could break out instead of blend in, the first one would be this. It is to become one of a kind instead of one of many by creating a nerd. (laughs) You're going, what? Well, a nerd, N-U-R-D, is my verbal shorthand for a new word. Because, see, most of us, you know, there are, there are a lot of hotels to choose from. There are a lot of car insurance travel programs to choose from. There are a lot of consultants and speakers to book to choose from. So, see, by definition, we're all one of many. And if we're one of many, we blend in. And blending in is for Cuisinarts. It's not for companies. We don't want to blend in. We want to break out. Well, the easiest way to break out is to create our own niche. See, if we want to corner a niche, we create a niche. And the best way to create a niche is to coin our own nerd. See, if we coin our own word, we don't have any competition anymore. We just went to the head of the class. As I like to say about Seth Godin, Seth doesn't follow the crowd. He doesn't even lead the crowd. He creates a new crowd. That's what I'm suggesting, that each of us create a new crowd. Instead of competing with other people and being one of many, why not be one of a kind? And you're thinking, enough, Sam, how? Okay, here's how. Write down about 10 words that you use when you're describing your project or your business or this product or this idea or this service. If you were explaining it to someone else, if you were trying to sell someone else on it, or if you were trying to describe its benefits, what are 10 words you frequently use when you're describing this product or process or program or idea? Now, those are your core words. What we do in POP, which Seth Godin says is revolutionary because it has 25 of these original ways for you to break out instead of blend in. Well, what you do with those words is you run them through the alphabet, changing the sound of the first syllable to match the corresponding letter. Now, let me give you a couple of ideas because this isn't just a clever technique. This can give you a multi-million dollar business. For example, first time I was speaking on conflict resolution, I called it dealing with difficult people without becoming one yourself. Now, that's a pretty good title because, see, it's got that beat. And when you put things in a beat, you make them easy to repeat. When you put things in a beat, you make them easy to repeat. And, see, part of how we break out is to come up with something that's repeatable or memorable. If I said, I can't believe I ate the, probably you say, whole thing. Because, see, that's in a cadence which makes it easy for us to repeat it, which is why that is one of the most recognizable taglines in the last 40 years. It keeps it top of mind. So when I 
called this, Dealing with Difficult People Without Becoming One Yourself, that's a pretty good name. But here's the problem. If you Google your core word, up would come hundreds of pages of other speakers, authors, writers on that topic. I would have been relegated to competing with all those people being one of many. Well, now, I was very fortunate because at that first program, there was a gentleman in the front row. He didn't even get up to get a cup of coffee at break. He just kind of sat there gazing off into space. So I'm curious. I go over and I say, what are you thinking about? Well, he looked at me and he said, Sam, I'm a real estate broker. He said, I thought you were going to teach us some zingers to fire back at people. He said, I deal with some really demanding people. I'm tired of it, but you're not going to teach us zingers, are you? And I, I confirmed that that wasn't the point of the program. And now he was the one who said, I'm a student of martial arts. He said, I've studied karate, taekwondo, judo. What you're talking about is kind of like a verbal form of kung fu, isn't it? Eureka, there it was, low-hanging fruit, tongue fu. Now, see, tongue fu is a coined word. What does that mean? It means I can go to GoDaddy.com, and for $8.95, I can have a .com domain name. I can own that name. I can trademark that name because I created it, which means I can merchandise that name, which means I can certify people to teach tongue fu, that is not just a one-of-a-kind name or a nerd. It is a financial empire. Do you see how when you coin a new word, you immediately get people's interest because they haven't heard it before. You can own it so you can profit from it, and you're breaking out instead of blending in. Now, in my pop book and my programs, I mean, I have dozens of examples. You know, 30-second example, there was a restaurant that wasn't breaking out. Why? Well, it's happy hour. There were 50 restaurants in a one-mile radius all offering happy hours. So, see, they keep looking for an original solution to a current problem. This is another way to pop out. This is the O in pop. When we can come up with an original solution to a current problem, we will break out, and we'll break out even more if we give it an original name. So this restaurant manager happened to notice that one of their patrons brought his dog and tied it up outside while he came in for a beer. Eureka, that lovely moment when we get a breakout idea. Why not have a happy hour for dog owners? You could pass out dog biscuits and put out water bowls. Now, what do you call it? Well, instead of sitting around and having to pay a million dollars to have someone come up with a name for you, you can do it yourself with the pop book and with this alphabetizing technique. See, the core word is happy hour. Let's run it through the alphabet. Happy hour, happy hour, happy hour, happy hour. Eventually, you get to yappy hour. Da, 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 da. Now, if you're thinking, ah, big whoop, Sam, it's a clever name, so what? Well, you bet, so what? See, the media is always looking for the next new thing. The Washington Post did an article about the Holiday Inn in Alexandria, Virginia's Yappy Hour. It was picked up by a 100 newspapers around the United States and now millions of people know about that yappy hour. It's wildly popular and profitable for free. 
for just a pop technique and a couple minutes of your time running your core words through the alphabet. Now, there's lots more examples. Let me quick and give you two others, and like I said, then it's your turn. Um, let's talk about money phrases right now because I'm hoping that all of you are on social media. In fact, uh, AAA is capitalizing on texting these days, which shows that they're keeping current, so good for you. I hope you're all tweeting and Facebooking strategically. I don't believe in just spending time on it and talking about what we had for lunch, but on-brand messages phrased as questions because, remember, statements sit on the page Questions engage. So are you asking questions in your Facebook and your tweet so that people are compelled to go to your blog, are compelled to go to your website, are compelled to find out more about your marketing campaign? So let's, let's turn those questions into money phrases. Now, what am I talking about? Well, uh, did you see the movie Pretty Woman by any chance with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere? Gary Marshall was the director of that movie. And he came to Maui Writers Conference years ago. He said something so profound, I remember it as if it happened this morning. He said, Hollywood directors can predict when their movies will make money. And it depends on this one thing. Do people walk out of the theater repeating something they heard word for word? See, if people walk out of the theater saying, make my day, or I'll be back, or show me the money. They are your word-of-mouth advertisers. See, they're taking you viral because you took the responsibility for coining a phrase that's easy to repeat. And remember, when something is repeatable, it makes it memorable, it keeps you top of mind, and everybody out there repeating your slogan or tagline is your advertiser. So I have come up with a way to come up with these repeatable money phrases and how with airtight sound bites. Please write down A-I-R. A is for alliterative. Now just listen to these words, bed, toilet, and shower, Duncan croissants, dirt, vacuum. Oh, kind of clunky, huh? See, they have no music to them. Now, just make them alliterative. Alliteration is when words start with the same sound. And it makes your language lyrical. It makes you instantly eloquent. It makes your copy compelling. See, if you say bed, bath, and beyond, dirt, devil, best, buy, Dunkin' Donuts. Do you see how something as minor as making your phrasing alliterative is going to help make it more memorable. Now, even more important than that, because once again, we're not just talking about semantics or clever language. We're talking about a bottom-line impact of taking your business, your ad campaign, your speaking or consulting services to the next level, is that a guy named Jay Sorensen saw something, and he knew if he gave it an alliterative name that he could own that market. What am I talking about? Well, do you like coffee? Have you ever burned your fingers on those really hot cups of coffee at Starbucks? Have you ever put those little cardboard thingamajiggies around them? You know what those things are called? Cardboard insulating sleeves. 
See, it's hard to build a business around a name that nobody can pronounce, spell, or remember. So Jay Sorensen saw an opportunity. He called those Java Jackets. Da-da-da-da, multi-million dollar business. He cornered the market in that industry because, as he said, he gets calls from people who meant to call his competitors, but they can't remember his competitor's name. They remember his. So I'm asking you, in your presentation or in your marketing campaign or in your web copy or in your book or blog, is there a phrase in there that people can repeat upon seeing it or hearing it after one time? And alliteration is going to help make that happen. Now, I, because this is air, tight, sound bites, A is for alliteration, I is for iambic meter. Once again, if you put it in a beat, you make it easy to repeat. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Jack and Jill went up a hill. Do you see how when you put things in a cadence, it gives the mind a hook on which to hang a memory? Now, I for iambic meter also stands for inflection because you can make common words an uncommon signature message if you use distinctive inflection. For example, let's get ready to rumble, (laughs) or if we say, can you hear me now? Or you know my favorite? There was a radio broadcaster who used these words, and he's gone now, but I bet you can still tell me who said them. And now, for the rest of the, did you say story? And now who was that? That was Paul Harvey. Now, there are thousands of radio broadcasters out there, but he was one of a kind instead of one of many. And notice, those are common words. And now for the rest of the story, there is nothing special about those words. Yet they became his iconic signature sign-off, identifiable, that helped him pop out of a very crowded pack. So, and then R is for rhyme, and then it's your turn. Um, Rhyme is sublime. Why? Well, because words that aren't alliterative or that aren't in a cadence are hard to remember. In fact, uh, I bet if you've been driving down the road, you used to see a sign because the United States was on a campaign to reduce injuries in accidents. So what was the name of their campaign? Buckle up for safety. (laughs) Now, you're going to run right out and buckle up for safety. See, as Duke Ellington said, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. See, if our languaging of our money phrase doesn't swing, people won't repeat it. It means it's not going to pop out. They won't remember us. We're blending in. So the U.S. government changed that campaign to a rhyme. What is it now? Click it or ticket, and compliance has gone up as a result. It's, uh, I can't, the, the difference it has made with my clients, when we come up with a money phrase, so that when people walk out of their presentation, or when they put down their book, or they finish reading a blog, or they look up at that message on the, on the jumbotron in, in Braves Field, is if people see it, if their eyebrows go up, which means they're intrigued, if they can repeat it, They will become your word-of-mouth advertisers, and it's just one of the many ways you can pop out. So 
Uh, let me say I'm going to open it up for questions or comments, but Teresa, you know, one idea I had for AAA and at the Braves is, um, you know, per, uh, perhaps you could, you know, call it home of the Braves and put AAA right there in the middle of Braves, you know, home of the Braves and, um, you know, because people are going to say Braves anyway, and you could say it with distinctive inflection. You could embed triple A into that, and you might have a pretty good slogan right there. And uh, by the way, I'm sorry. Go That's ahead. A good idea. I like that. Well, and and hopefully it's purposeful too, because see what POP also stands for. P is for purposeful. O is for original, and P is for pissy. And uh, purposeful slogans are, like we said, ones that you remember, ones that are on brand, ones that are, are congruent with the needs or the voice of your organization and its customers. So, see, if I said, I wish I were uh, Oscar Mayer Wiener, you're in good hands with Allstate. See, if you have a common last name or you could embed your company name in your slogan, then every time people see it or hear it, they are imprinting it, repeating it, and, of course, that's brand awareness. And so by since you've got a relationship with the Braves, you know that this is working. When people go home of the Braves <laughs> and they start repeating AAA in the middle of it, and, and what a wonderful way to tie in your campaign with, you know, this, this sponsor relationship in a way that uh, people start repeating it. And uh, it, really, it really could be memorable. And every time people see it, they are remembering you. So, um, and, you know, you can put that in a text, too. So it's short enough to be pissy. So anyone else have a project that uh, we can quickly see what we can do to help it pop out and, and break out instead of blend in? Come on, guys. <laughs> are we? Are, is everyone off mute? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, okay. I perhaps I should go first. Um, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I. I oh, sorry. Are we still there? Um, you know, I definitely have uh, the challenge with. Uh, the executive girlfriends group, and uh, it's funny. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a dinner in Dallas, and and someone played on on the words of that. Uh, you know, which came first, the chickie or the egg? Uh, <laughs> you know, which was totally you know not what I had intended to do. But is mm -hmm. that a place where we can start? Well, we can sure start there. And so, chickie, everything we do is strategic. So we would ask some very strategic questions. We go into detail about are you branding chicky or are you branding egg? Because, of course, we want to keep the focus on what you predict is going to be the biggest payoff. So, so that's the question. Are you branding chicky or are you branding egg? Well, I guess that's the question. Uh, you know, we have been trying to build egg so that it would be self-sustaining and, and actually even the solutions group so that it's not dependent on me moving forward. So I would say that egg is what we're wanting to brand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, then, then we're just going to play for a minute, okay? okay. Is that um, it, whenever you have a core word like egg, you can go online to clichesite.com. 
You can also go to IMDB, Internet Movie Database. You can go to Amazon, and you can go to freelyrics.com. Because the, one of the things, um, you know, I believe what Samuel Goldwyn said, he said, uh, avoid cliches like the plague. <laughs> but one way, <laughs> one way to pop out is to riff off a common phrase and to zig where people expect you to zag. So we don't repeat a cliche, we rearrange a cliche. This is how Avon came up with their great slogan for their breast cancer walks, good things come to those who walk, you know. This is how The Economist came up with their slogan, which is um, great minds like a snake. So see, since egg is a common word, you know, you know, we're just playing here, but it's like in the beginning there was the egg, or in your beginning there was the egg, the beginning of uh, more profits, the beginning of more customers, the beginning of more visibility, the beginning of more sales, there's, you know, there's the egg. So see, if you start thinking of common cliches and how you could embed that in your copy so that people go, oh, okay, in the beginning, uh, there's the egg. The eggs in the beginning, you know, the, in the beginning of more sales, in the beginning of more customers, in the beginning of more profits, there's the egg. So, you know, and you could play off that metaphor with, you know, every week we hatch new ways for you to, um, you know, scale your message and your mission. So I, I, I think you could play with it. And by the way, um, See if you can make your, your logo visual. So I'm going to tell a quick two-minute story about this because hopefully everyone can follow up on this. It makes a big difference. A friend of mine, and I think Jennifer knows, uh, Marilyn Mobley, who is a senior VP with uh, Edelman, one of the top PR firms in the country. Well, they were doing a survey for one of their clients, and they're interviewing schoolyard children and asking them what sound barnyard animals make. So when they asked them what sound sheep make, what'd they say? Ah. When, when they asked them what sound cows make, what'd they say? Moo. <laughs> when they asked them what sound ducks make, what'd they say? They said, Aflac. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're thinking, Sam, what does this have to do with me? Well, see, what is an Aflac? It doesn't mean anything, and it's why should we do business with a company when we don't even know what the name means? It's nonsensical. So, see, if you can turn your concept into something concrete, if you can make an idea into an image, people go, oh, I see now, and when they see it, it's imprinted on their mind in a way they remember it, they relate to it, and they want it. So, see, I think, you know, a good egg, uh, EGG, you know, Executive Girlfriends Group, EGG? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why not? I hope that it's in, in, in the form of an egg. Oh, it is. It is. We have a, we have a gold egg that, that is wrapped in a blue ribbon. And, and at, at a dinner that we had last year, the, the chef actually did these beautiful gold uh, eggs and put them on the plate, Excellent. and it was beautiful. So, yeah, Excellent. Okay, you're already there. Good for you, Chicky. <laughs> All right. Well, I went. I went. Elena, are you still on the phone? Yes, I am. Okay, this one's right up your alley, babe. Go for it. Have her help you because you have you have some major opportunities with the marketing stuff you're doing. Um, 
Well, one of my greatest challenge actually is not the execution or the planning, but it's to prepare the people who are in leadership at that company to be up and running with the times. That's a different uh, challenge. Yeah. Well, and and here's what I'm going to suggest, and it's because I just noticed the time, and I've got a scoot here to uh, get to the airport. So, on my on my website, uh, samhorn.com, S-A-M-H-O-R-N.com, I've got a lot of free articles about what's in a name, our future, and how we can break out instead of blend in and ideas that we haven't discussed yet um, about how you can capture interest in anything you want in 60 seconds or less. So uh, I'd love to go into more detail about that question, and I better catch this flight. (laughs) You better catch uh, your flight, though. Well, Sam, it has been terrific. Thank you so, so much for uh, taking time on a holiday weekend, and uh, I look forward to uh, circling back with you in a couple of weeks. I think we had talked about getting together. So uh, thanks much, and uh, have a great Easter weekend. Yep. I hope, uh, hope everyone found these ideas interesting and useful and that they help uh, you scale your message and your mission and your company and your cause so that it benefits even more people. Fantastic. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Chicky. Terrific. Thank you so much, Sam. And uh, I am going to be turning off the recording because what is said on the egg call stays on the egg call.